Good evening, everyone. I'm very excited to be here with you tonight. My computer is acting up, so my chat is not in its usual place. Dot is here causing trouble, so tonight might be super eventful, um, but you'll just have to bear with me. I don't really have a real opener, so I think we're just going to jump right into what I wanted to talk about today, um, which was Elon Musk. There are a couple different things for Elon Musk. He is weighing possibly jumping into the AI field, which I'm very excited for. He wants to do the non-woke version of ChatGPD. In fact, let me pull this up. Elon Musk, AI, AU, AI, non-chat. Let me see if I can find it real fast. Dot is running around in circles, and I don't know why. There's something very exciting about that. Oh, cool. Okay, we got this now. Yes, we're going to be talking about Elon Musk, whom I love. I think he's doing great things, but I don't think he should be our only point of failure. Never should be. Andy is corralling Dot. She doesn't want to be picked up, so she's running in the opposite direction. It's quite adorable. Thank you, dear. Appreciate that. I think we're good now, but for whatever reason, YouTube was telling me that I couldn't... Um, here, let me take her. Yeah, there she is. Ah, Dot! Hi, Dot! What do you say? What do you say? <laughs> Are you going to eat the microphone? All right, I'm going to give her over to you, dear. Anyway, I forget what I was saying. Um, I don't think we have, should have a single point of failure when it comes to free speech stuff. I think that Elon Musk is great, though, and I'm lo really looking forward to what he does. And I'm so glad that he is keeping an eye on ChatGPT and all this silly woke stuff, like the Biden administration is pushing through DEI stuff through every level of uh, the algorithms. Oh, the other problem I ran into was that I have to keep the chat now inside the window. I can't pop it out like I did before. So I it won't be as easy for me to see you guys' chats, but we will get to them. Don't worry about that. So let me see if I can go ahead and pull this up for you guys, and we will get to talking about Elon Musk. Oh yes, this ties into the Scott Adams story, which I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with. Scott Adams read a Rasmussen story that showed that most people, well, a majority of African American people, do not think that the statement "it's okay to be to be white" is a valid statement or sentiment. And Scott Adams took it in a crazy direction, and he said you shouldn't live near these people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It did feel racist, but I kind of understood what his line of thinking was. Um, now, one of the things Ben Shapiro was observing earlier on his show today was that people generally agreed that racism was about to become a thing of the past until 2014. I don't know if you guys remember 2014, but what happened then was that Barack Obama decided to weigh in on the Michael Brown case and said that even though he'd been elected president, that still wasn't proof that the U.S. was not racist. Absolutely mind-blowing stuff. Obama was easily the second most divisive president we've ever had. I, I still think that uh, Joe Biden is 100% the most divisive president we've ever had. He just comes right out and says stuff. Like, he'll say things like, I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Like, he's actively pushing the Obama line about how, you know, the only group that you can and should be racist against is white people. Now, I personally, I have personal experience with the alt-right. I have personal experience with far-right thinkers, and I don't like them. It turns out that those aren't very consistent thinkers. They're not the brightest thinkers. For people who think that the white race is a master race, they're definitely not the brightest. 
But there is definitely a race war going on in the U.S. right now. And I hate to see it because I was so optimistic about race, like an understanding of the fact that we're all just humans, that we should not discriminate on it with each discriminate against each other on the basis of our physical external appearance. That's just silly, silly nonsense to me. I've always hated that. It seems so shallow. Um, Sure, there are cultural differences that could probably stand to be addressed, but it's not ever a good rule of thumb to judge someone based on the group that they're a part of because people are individuals and need to be identified as such. So let's read what Elon Musk is thinking about all about all this stuff. Elon Musk calls U.S. media and schools racist against whites and Asians. And I guarantee CNBC thinks he's full of it and that he's crazy. Elon Musk, CEO of Twitter, Tesla, and SpaceX accused the media and, quote, elite colleges and high schools of being racist against white and Asian people, espousing his views without providing evidence. Oh my, without context. Interesting. CNBC would never do anything like that. Musk tweeted these statements in response to news that media organizations around the U.S. decided to cut the comic strip Dilbert after its creator, Scott Adams, disparaged black people in a racist rant on his YouTube channel. So here we can clearly see the bias of CNBC in its own natural habitat. Tesla has been repeatedly sued for racial discrimination and lost a high-profile lawsuit over anti-black harassment endured by a former worker in California. Okay, so they're clearly trying to set the stage as Elon Musk is a horrible racist monster. Elon Musk, the CEO of SpaceX, Tesla, and Twitter, accused the media and elite colleges and high schools of being racist against white and Asian people, espousing his views without providing evidence on Sunday. He posted his comments on Twitter, where he has nearly 130 million followers, in response to news that media organizations around the country decided to cut the comic strip Dilbert from syndication after its creator, Scott Adams, delivered a tirade. I'm going to take out some of their editorialization here, so bear with me delivered what CNBC calls a tirade in a video on his YouTube channel last week. I don't even want to read the CNBC article, so let's go over to Twitter and see what Elon Musk has been up to. We'll see if we can find this. I think it'll be relatively easy. It's going to have a zillion likes. So here we have Elon Musk. Let me search the word racist. Oh my gosh, I can't spell racist. Racist from colon Elon Musk. Right. For a very long time, says Elon, U.S. media was racist against non-white people. Now they're racist against whites and Asians. Same thing happened with elite colleges and high schools in America. Maybe they can try not being racist. And the previous tweet he made was, the media is racist. And he is responding to a tweet from an organization called Monitoring Bias, who says they're an independent and data-driven, unwoke, monitoring, hyper-partisan thinking, culture wars, and institutional bias against white and Asian people in America. Interesting. And this tweet from them says, Adams was horrified that a poll of black people showed only half believe, quote, it's okay to be white. He called this hate and recommended white people live far away from blacks. MSM verdict? Adams is a racist, but not the 20 million black people who think it's not okay to be white. That's a great analysis of the Scott Adams controversy. We should all be more upset about the poll than we are about Scott Adams' perhaps hugely hyperbolic response to it. That is an insane poll. That's a really big problem. And I think that one was from Rasmussen, although I wasn't able to independently source 
the poll itself. They go on to say, if a poll showed that half of whites believe it's not okay to be black, mainstream media op-ed pages would fill up with righteous black people arguing that blacks need to stay away from white people, and progressives all over America would vigorously, vigorously support this viewpoint. I like that tweet. I like that tweet, and I think I'm going to follow them. They sound great. So Elon Musk is entirely correct in this, and this is from a couple years ago. Washington School District doesn't include Asian kids in the, quote, students of color category. Asian students were grounded with white students to highlight the achievement gap. Grouped, excuse me, I can't read today. A Washington State School District has removed Asians from a category denoting people of color in a report discussing opportunity and performance gaps, according to media reports. That's because it's convenient to class Asians with white people because Asians are incredibly scholastically successful. They are very hard workers. They have strong cultural mores that push them to study and to work very hard on memorization, to respect their teachers, and to put in the time for homework. North Thurston Public Schools schools lumped Asian and white students together in its equity report and measured their achievements against a student of color category that includes people of black, Hispanic, Native American, Pacific Islander, and multiracial students, according to Reason.com, a libertarian magazine. The move drew scrutiny on social media. I guess we are white now, one user tweeted. The school district, I'm assuming that user was Asian. The school district located 55 miles south of Seattle. Oh, there's your problem. Oversees 22 schools and about 16,000 students. The report intended to highlight the opportunity gap between students of color and the rest of the student body. So let's look at some of the other ways that schools are racist. Segregated. Also can't spell segregated. Segregated graduation ceremony because I recall, yes, Harvard, Harvard Black and Latinx graduation ceremony. Harvard prepares to host all black graduation. More universities are holding segregated graduations. So CNBC said that there was no evidence for what Elon Musk was saying. I can literally find proof of what he says with one Google search, and I'm not a journalist. These people are journalists. They can't even type in a quick Google search to see if there's anything to back up what Elon Musk is saying. There's no skepticism. There's no rational thinking. There's no critical thinking. And there's no sense of asking a question about whether what your opponent is saying could actually be true. No, there is only the narrative when it comes to CNBC. Now, this is kind of devolving into a rant about the media. But since that was certainly the thrust of what Elon Musk was saying, I don't think it's out of line. Oh, yeah, you know there was a Colorado college refuses U.S. News and World Report ranking. Yes. So Colorado College dropped out of U.S. News undergraduate rankings, becoming the second, like the second largest college to do that. Actually, a bunch of other schools have done that as well. These are the wokest of the woke schools. I thought for a minute this might be something positive because I was very optimistic that they were getting rid of some of this, what you could something that you might think would be a more woke mindset. The reason Colorado College dropped out of U.S. News undergraduate rankings was because U.S. News undergraduate rankings uses test scores, and Colorado College has chosen not to use test scores like SAT and ACT scores because they say it lends itself to inequality because sometimes minority students don't do as well as white or 
Asian students. And that's exactly why that district in Washington chose to lump the two together. Asians disprove the minority. So there is a theory of, um, what's it called? I forget. It's like the the soft bigotry of low expectations. Sorry, I could not remember that term. So this is exactly what's happening here. By, by grouping in the Asians with the white students, you are assuming that that will make everyone else look more victimized, perhaps, because the Asians were helping to prop up the scores of all of the other students of color. And this is not according to me. This is according to the school that chose to do it in 2020. Now, I haven't seen that trending in other schools throughout the country more recently, but it is deeply troubling. And it makes sense to me that they realize that the Asian students are totally disproving their whole theory of how poor minority students are being targeted by discrimination. So all that to say, I really don't think that Elon Musk is wrong about this. My main issue is with CNBC for refusing to do their own homework and trying to see if he could have been right about this. In no circumstance, no world that they can imagine, Elon Musk would actually be right about something because they're not imaginative people. But I wanted to talk about this next as well, and then we'll read some of your comments. I just went over to um, archive.is to make sure we can get this article without the paywall. Elon Musk may create ChatGPT rival, a new report says. Musk co-founded ChatGPT's creator OpenAI in 2015, but left the company in 2018 over a potential future conflict as CEO of Tesla. Elon Musk may be looking to create a rival to ChatGPT, a newly popular chatbot that OpenAI launched last year. Musk, who recently reclaimed his spot as the world's richest person after Tesla stock surge, recently approached a former Alphabet Google AI researcher named Igor Babushkin, that's a great last name, about creating an AI research lab, according to a Monday report from The Information. Musk has attacked OpenAI on several occasions in recent months for promoting what he views as propaganda and suggesting the company was adding safeguards in ChatGPT that were training AI to be woke, the report continues. Here's a user named Andy who asks, can you turn off the woke settings for GPT and offer that version as an option for users, please? Elon says the danger of training AI to be woke, in other words, lie, is deadly. He is not wrong. This is something that I noticed too, especially in the context of President Biden signing executive orders to put this kind of woke ideology into everything, absolutely everything, worked into the algorithm, baked into the cake at every level to make sure that no matter where you turn, you'll find woke thinking and woke ideas being pushed forward. Really genuinely disturbing stuff. He co-founded OpenAI in 2015 with Sam Altman, Greg Brock, Greg Brockman, Ilya Sutskever, I can't even pronounce his Polish name, and John Schulman. He left the company in 2018 over a potential future conflict with his role as CEO of Tesla. Representatives from Musk and OpenAI did not respond to MarketWatch's request for comment on the story. OpenAI's ChatGPT surpassed 1 million users just days after it launched, the company said, and it now has 100 million monthly active users. So this would be something that would be very, very fun for Elon Musk to do, if not lucrative. It depends on whether he chooses to monetize it or not, because from my understanding and from my use of ChatGPT, it is free. Now, if they do decide to start charging money to use it, even a low, um, low dollar fee, 100 million people is a lot of money. 
Investing $1 billion in OpenAI in 2019 and reportedly may look to add some ChatGPT features into its Bing search engine. Interesting. So Microsoft Core may do all that stuff. The success of ChatGPT comes as other tech giants are releasing their own AI brands, such as Google's Bard and Meta's Llama. Musk, who is also the CEO of SpaceX and Twitter, laid off more people uh, in the latter over the weekend. According to the New York Times, another 200 employees were let go at the social media company, accounting for roughly 10% of the total staff. That is just a good financial decision. Twitter was such a sink for money that it doesn't surprise me at all that Elon is firing people and honestly more power to him. He's the boss. He should be able to do exactly as he sees fit. All right, let's go over and see what you guys are thinking. Hey, thank you all for joining me. I do appreciate it. Sorry, I can't pop up my chat tonight. John Burt says, ding tech. Come on, Andy. You're the tech guy. He is, but he's not here right now. He's doing work stuff. And hello. Hello, hello, John. Appreciate you being here. Eventful is good, says Stuart. Not always, sometimes. Serenko says, did something happen to yesterday's stream? I took it down because we got a copyright streak strike because of the song in that frog video, which made me very sad. No censorship there. And I will take this opportunity to say that now my podcasts are on. It should be on almost all podcast platforms except Apple um, and Spotify thus far. Um, and I am putting them up as well on Substack. So if you Google the Sour Patch on any podcast platform, I believe you will be able to find yesterday's stream there. All live. Awesome. JB says someone who can't make coherent sentences wrote a book hard pass. Are you talking about me? Because I am having a hard time making coherent speech sentences. Stuart says, yay, dot, dot is wonderful. Dip and dots. That's right. Dip and dots. JB says, I saw Tim's video where he misinterpreted it and did a face plan. Oh gosh, I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm not sure what you're referring to. Scott Adams took one poll as gospel that said, get out of the cities, race notwithstanding. Yeah, well, that could possibly be a good bit of advice, but I will tell you also that I don't like the idea of retreating. So for most of the last couple years, I don't know if you guys realize this, but I was surrounded by people who said, get out of cities, get away from all the nonsense and madness. We cannot constantly be retreating. That's cowardly. I said it and I'll keep saying it until I'm blue in the face. We got here by retreating. And it will only get worse if we keep doing more of the same. That's called insanity, doing the same thing and expecting different results. So Andy and I are doing something different. We're going into the city. We're going to meet cool people. We already have met really nice people. We have a great church. We're going to go meet a personal trainer. And we've already met a bunch of the neighbors. They absolutely love Dot when we walk around with her. Really, really nice people. And it's really nice to be around other people. And there are great things that you can find in the city, especially if you are a city kid. Serenko, didn't he say something like Trayvon was my son or something like that? He said Trayvon could have been my son. That's correct. Trayvon Martin. Oh, I was thinking Michael Brown. Yeah. So that all of that stuff happened right about that time. Sir Potato says, hi, everyone. Hello, sir. We appreciate you being here. Andy says to retweet him. I will do so. Dot's gender reveal party. Man shrugging. Oh, no, the emoji didn't come through. Andy, well, we'll retweet him anyway. No worries. Thank you all again for joining me. We always have a good time. Somebody says maths is white privilege. Maths are and white privilege. Excuse me again. Can't read. JB says Elon is African-American, so he should know about being discriminated against. So I don't know if you guys have been following the news out of South Africa. It's 
a mess. It's a really bad mess. Like, I don't know what's going on down there, but it looks like the end of the world. It's insane. So definitely keep them in your thoughts. Somebody gave me static for having a Turkish flag in my um, description on Twitter. And apparently everyone's already forgotten about the earthquakes in Twitter in Turkey. Um, I still care about the something like 30 to 50,000 people who died in those earthquakes. That's a huge national disaster. And my heart 100% goes out to that country. We're focused on the here and now. I don't care what the Turkish people have done in the past. Doesn't matter to me. I care about the individual people who died in the earthquake. That's why I have that flag in my handle. Does the Botox help a lot? My sister-in-law has had bad migraines. Oh, not sure about that. Not sure who you're responding to. Howdy, howdy. Hello on Highly Snipes from Tucson. Of course, sorry I'm late. Was receiving my Botox for migraines. Oh yeah, yeah. Hopefully it does help. I have heard good things about that. It is kind of surprising to me that botulinum toxin is actually really good for not just wrinkle removal, but also for migraines. Crazy stuff. Stuart says, there are very few journalists left today. I agree. Um, unhighly snipes says, I swear by it. Good stuff. Yeah. Migraines are absolutely awful. I've only gotten them a few times. Um, I have to nip them in the bud. I have to take a bunch of medicine really early. Um, but sometimes it's just crippling. I end up just lying down for like two hours and it's just really, really frustrating to deal with. Is Elon and Dilbert racist? Question mark says Zach. No, absolutely not. I think Scott Adams just really badly misspoke. He spoke very poorly. Natalie Snipes continues, I have to get it every three months and it's 36 injections. Holy cow. It sounds like a lot, but 90 days of no or reduced migraines sounds awesome. That it definitely does. All right. If you pay to talk to ChatGPT, does that make it an escort service? That's a great question. I did see something about um, an AI girlfriend service that was shutting down the sexual features, like the sexual conversation features, and people were like losing their minds over it. Um, and I have a serious issue with a society that thinks it's better to talk to a machine than to even attempt to talk to other people. Whisper says he is a completely different person. We can go out during the day again and I can have curtains open. Big difference for sure. Migraines are like the worst thing. It's like having an elephant just on you constantly. You can't move. You can't do anything. Everything's painful. You can't have light. Like you can't have sound. You get nothing. It's really, really bad. And they're tiny needles. Oh, okay, good. Cool, cool, cool. Well, next time I have a migraine, I will think about a Botox treatment. We'll see what happens with that. Thankfully, I do not have them very often. And hopefully this current dose will help you with that. And he says, it's not free from the goodness of their hearts. Your interactions with it are definitely monetized some way or another. Of course, of course. Andy says, what was wrong with the tech? Oh, just simple stuff. So I popped out the chat and I went to use it and it was telling me that I had to be a subscriber to my own channel. So personally, I don't see that as being malicious. I view it as just being an issue with the tech. I don't know if you guys saw this, but Susan Wojcicki is stepping down. So that's exciting. Not sure they won't put someone worse in her place, but we'll see. Serenko says, yeah, they're harvesting your inputs to grow the AI. Yeah, for sure. Zach says, Tim Pool thinks Dilbert is wrong. I'm not surprised. Southeastern Kaiju says, base lids. Thank you. I'm not sure what you're saying that in reference to, but I do think Probably the only statement I made thus far is that moving away from people who are oppositional to you is kind of cowardly. I just think that's the easy way out. LOL lids always ready these chats in reverse chronological order. So if you can all format your messages in the form of a response to the next comment, that would be really helpful. Yeah, it helps me keep the context of what you're referring to. 
All right, you guys, thank you so much. I did change the chat filter to all messages or to live messages. So there's top chat and there's live chat. It made no difference when I had it popped out. It just kept saying, um, you need to be a subscriber. And I was like, what on earth are you talking about? I'm literally the creator of this channel. What do you want from me? But we persist and on we go for sure. All right, let's see what we want to talk about next. We got this tweet from Andy. I think I can close that for now. Oh yeah, this is really interesting. So on the topic of anti-white racism, we're going to talk about this. It's worse than McCarthyism. Three quarters of conservative academics fear being sacked for their views, growing numbers self-censor in an era of forced diversity statements. Half of scholars complain of diversity, equity, and inclusion litmus tests. Liberal professors accuse Ron DeSantis of stifling classes about race and gender. The true academia True academic inquiry and diversity of thought are nearly impossible now. U.S. academics increasingly bite their tongues for fear of losing their jobs, and conservative scholars feel the heat more than their liberal counterparts. A shock campus survey has revealed. Now I'm going to stop right here. The Daily Mail thinks that's a shock, but do you? I could not possibly be less shocked. In fact, Andy and I go back and forth about this pretty much on a pretty much daily basis because I personally think that higher education is functionally lost at this point and he still thinks that it has value. He's a lot more charitable than I am when it comes to higher ed. Research by the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression, FIRE, a free speech group found that 52% of professors say they're worried about, they worried about losing their jobs or reputations because of being misunderstood or taken out of context. So these aren't even conservative people. Those on the right feel it the most. 72% of conservatives feared being canned for their views compared to 56% of moderates and 40% of liberals. Wow, even 40% of liberals think that they could easily be fired over something they missaid. It's many times worse than during the anti-communist Red Scare purge of the U.S. institutions in the 50s when Senator Joseph McCarthy famously probed his, his targets for subversion and espionage, researchers said. Fire researcher Nathan Honeycutt warned of a chilling wave across academia. That's insane. Those are really high numbers, I will say that. Uh, higher than I expected. When professors across the political spectrum became terrified of losing their jobs for exercising their rights, true academic inquiry and diversity of thought became nearly impossible. The poll of nearly 1,500 U.S. faculty members comes as a university became used as universities become increasingly polarized and campaigners and politicians from left and right turn campuses into frontline on Americans culture wars. New hires complained about having to submit diversity, equity, and inclusion statements for jobs, while liberal tutors in Florida say they've been forced to stop teaching about racism and gender because of rules imposed under Republican Governor Ron DeSantis. Notable victims include former um, Hamline University tutor Erica Lopez Prater, who was cut by the Minnesota school after a Muslim student complained about her showing a 14th century painting of the Prophet Muhammad as a part of a lesson on Islamic art, even though she had warned students in advance. Meanwhile, Dr. Richard Lowry, a tenured professor at the University of Texas in Austin, has sued the school, saying administrators threatened his job for saying critical race theory had no scientific basis. Holy cow, this is really getting out of hand. FIRE's 54-page report, The Academic Mind in 2022, was released on Tuesday and found that the thought that roughly three in five respondents believed it's a universal 
uh, excuse me, believe that a university professor should be free to express any of their ideas or convictions on any subject. But the reality at American schools is very different with 11% of faculty describing being disciplined or threatened with such because of their technology, excuse me, because of their teaching and 4% facing the same for their research or academic tasks. This is such a chilling effect on academia. This is terrifying. I really hate to see this because even though I personally don't like the current state of higher education, I do agree that there is something good underlying it, some noble cause that we should be pursuing as we push for it. That Like the sciences are always really important. STEM is incredibly pivotal. This is how we fight back against the other forces that don't like our country. Researchers noted that the survey suffered from a low response rate for among from among FIRE's own conservative-leaning membership. Yeah, nobody wants to be involved in this because they're unwilling to even touch something that might out them as conservative, I'd be willing to bet. The nonprofit Civil Liberties Group earlier this month named Hamline University as one of America's worst colleges for free speech in the wake of the Prophet Muhammad sacking scandal. The other schools that made the top 10 included transgender swimming star Leah Thomas's University of Pennsylvania, which was cited for trying to silence a professor's anti-immigration and anti-affirmative action comments. The University of Oregon is included on the list for forcing staff members to pledge allegiance to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Holy cow. The prestigious Texas A&M also made the top 10 after school officials began taking control of traditional, traditionally student-run events on campus. That is disgusting, but honestly, not surprising. Speaker, Speaking of higher education, I really want to touch on this story because it's horrifying. A New York City teacher forced a nine-year-old girl to use male pronouns, causing suicidal thoughts, says a lawsuit being uh, lodged by her parents. A Long Island teacher forced a fifth grade girl to go by a male name and pronouns, confusing the child so much that she had suicidal thoughts, a lawsuit alleges. Deborah Rosenquist, a fifth grade teacher at Terryville Road Elementary School in Port Jefferson Station, started calling the nine-year-old Leo and using um, opposite pronouns toward the beginning of the 2021-2022 school year, according to a lawsuit filed in Suffolk County Court by the child's parents last month. The parents say they were they were only clued in about what was happening in January 2022 when the school principal called them, telling them their child, referred to in court papers as A.V., had drawn a picture of a girl writing, I want to kill myself and I feel sad a lot, the filing claims. Oh gosh, this is horrible. The principal also informed the parents that A.V. had even met with a school psychologist telling the mental health worker that she was, quote, confused about her gender identity, the court paper says. Here's a teacher in question, literally blue-haired. This is the result of current American higher education. Despite Rosenquist, 62, having referred to the student for months at that point as Leo, it was only during the January 27th, 22 call that the parents were asked for the first time if this name was okay, the suit claims. Wow. Deborah Rosenquist, 62, started calling the nine-year-old girl Leo and using opposite gender pronouns. The parents were supportive as long as it was A.V. who had requested the name change, the filing said, but they had doubts since she had in the past been called Leo by a friend, referring to their kid's astrological sign, the court document explained. 
Her parents also became concerned when they saw complaints against Rosenquist on Facebook, claiming the teacher had been reported for abuse, but that the school district had done nothing about it because she was tenured, the suit alleges. During a deeper dig in the social media comments, the parents found that Rosenquist did not follow the school's curriculum and taught her students about transgender people and told kids to try being gay or try going by the opposite gender, the suit claims. The education even made her, the educator even made her own LGBTQ plus book called I Am Neither for her nine and 10 year old students and assigned a book called When Aiden Became, Becomes a Brother, according to the lawsuit. While the parents weren't concerned by the topic, they were worried that it was being taught at too young an age and were also worried that Rosenquist had significantly deviated from the district's curriculum, the suit claims. So one of the parents met with the principal, the superintendent, and the assistant superintendent on February 3rd, 2022, where the administrators admitted that the issue was not handled properly and said they hadn't known about the off-curriculum materials that Rosenquist had been using, the filing alleges. When they said they had investigated, it was clear the investigation was superficial at best, the suit continues. The parents are accusing the school of negligence and failing to properly monitor Rosenquist's classroom and train and supervise staff. The parents were, quote, incredibly concerned about the well-being of their nine-year-old daughter, the court papers say. They have and will always support A.V., but worried that she was being persuaded by Rosenquist to be transgender when she had not expressed any such inclination. She was placed in a different classroom, but now the subject of bullying and alienation was now the subject of bullying and alienation, the filing alleges. In fact, some of the classmates have a text message group where they discussed leaving AV out of comments, out with comments including literally, what is she? Girl? Boy? The court papers say. So, because of the actions of this highly educated educator with blue hair, this poor girl is now being excluded by her own peers who have no idea what to do with her. So, the actions of a 60 plus year old white woman is negatively affecting the lives of her students. And I find that morally reprehensible. The whole ordeal has caused the AV to suffer from quote, humiliation, anxiety, emotional pain, and trauma. The family has had to pay for psychological treatment and lawyer fees. The family is suing for unspecified damages. Rosenquist was removed from that classroom, but is now teaching younger students. According to the family's lawyer, Deborah Wabnick, Wabnick, interesting last name. Wabnick told the Post in a statement that Rosenquist manipulated a preteen female into changing her gender identity when the child did not feel in any inclination to do so. The psychological and social damage Rosenquist caused this child and her family was immense, the lawyer says. Incredibly, the district still has Rosenquist in the classroom where she can similarly harm other innocent children. A.V. prefers female as she always did. At no point did she identify as male, the lawyer says. The notion that she identified as male was foisted upon her by her teacher. Comsawog School District Superintendent Jennifer Quinn said they investigated and took action in accordance with the laws and union agreements. Ah, teachers unions. Wonderful. Comsawog School District fosters a caring atmosphere conducive to learning free of any behaviors violative of our goal of dignity for all students, Quinn said in a statement Tuesday. This is just boilerplate public relations. Now, from what I was reading earlier about this particular teacher and this particular school, the principal knew about this, as did the superintendent, and nothing happened until the parents became aware of what this teacher was doing to their nine-year-old daughter. 
Um, all of these are white ladies, which forced me to tell Andy that white women definitely need to be stopped. This is actually a threat to young children, but they feel like they're doing what's right because they feel some kind of ingrained guilt just for being white, which is disturbing to say the least. Everyone has been lied to here, but only the teachers are pushing it off on other people. Generally disgusting. I won't say to get out of cities, but I will 100% say to get your kids out of public schools. No, no bones about it for sure. Crazy idea. Stop teaching racism, which brings up the question, why did they start teaching it at all? That's a great question, JB. I agree. Andy, when attending college became the mainstream, it lost most of its value, says Sir Ranko. I completely agree. I just think it's captured by maniacs right now, but higher education of some form is obviously a necessary component of an advanced society. Sure, I think STEM is very important. I do think the liberal arts are utterly lost. Never surrender. Good to hear. Of course not. I will not never surrender. It's very important to take your ideas to places where you're not necessarily in the majority. If you would like to be in an echo chamber, help yourself. But what they're finding in West Virginia is that people who feel very comfortable but about living in a conservative environment tend to like loosen up with their, you know, surveillance of their teachers and these teachers boards and all these school boards and everything. And what ends up happening is that woke actors then move into the school boards and indoctrinate children. This keeps happening. It happens again and again, and people never seem to wise up to it because they really do think they live in this perfect echo chamber. Andy says, I guess doctors should just lean on YouTube. Well, this is what I've been saying all along. STEM, obviously, it's very important that people go to colleges. But at the same time, even some of these medical schools are being captured by this ridiculous, woke institutional stuff. So I really don't see an easy way out. I'm not sure what to do with this, but it's definitely not a good thing. You know, the other thing I really wanted to talk about was about the host of The View, Joy Behar, saying that she agrees with Marjorie Taylor Greene. So let's take a peek at this. I'm on Marjorie's side on this one. The View co-host Joy Behar defends Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene after she claimed she was attacked by an insane woman and her adult son in a restaurant. The View co-host Joy Behar has surprisingly defended Marjorie Taylor Greene after the congresswoman revealed she was attacked by an insane woman in a restaurant. Behar announced during the show's morning broadcast that she was on Marjorie's side on this one. I don't believe that anybody should be going up to any of us in public and harassing us. And that goes for you too, Marjorie Behar said. 100% completely agree with her on this. I think this is the first thing I've ever agreed with Joy Behar on. Despite the defense, she did point out Green was essentially condemning someone for doing something she has been accused of doing. The outspoken TV personality said a similar experience happened to her when she was confronted by an angry protester while out with her husband. She does this and now it's been done to her. She said, I have to think it's deplorable that anyone would do anything like that, including her and the person who did that to her. I don't believe, and you guys may correct me if I'm wrong, I don't believe that Marjorie Taylor Greene has ever gone out into public and yelled at somebody for their opposing viewpoints. Now, she might get into it with her coworkers, the people who work with her in government buildings, buildings, but that's a little bit different. Those people deserve to hear the truth. Now, she might be a little more abrasive than she probably should be. But at the same time, is anyone else telling those people the truth? 
I don't know. There's a question to be asked there for sure. Here's Marjorie's tweet. I was attacked in a restaurant tonight by an insane woman and screamed at by her adult son. They had no respect for the restaurant or the staff or the other people dining or people like me who simply have a different political view. They're self-righteous, insane, and completely out of control. I was sitting at my table working with my staff and never even noticed these people until they turned into demons. People used to respect others even if they had different views, but not anymore. Our country is gone. That's harsh. I know. Some of Behar's co-hosts did not agree, including Sunny Hostin. She is probably the worst of the bunch, who shared that she's been harassed in public too, but was not sympathetic. She's a professional troller, Hostin said. What a boomer thing to say. Don't be a troller, guys. That's exactly how you say that. She was disrespectful to the president of the United States during the State of the Union. Do you guys remember when Nancy Pelosi stood up and ripped up the State of the Union speech behind President Trump? Pepperidge Farm remembers, but I bet you nickel Sonny Hostin doesn't because that doesn't suit her agenda. She heckles people all the time. I need more information. Some of the details she wanted to know, including the type of restaurant Green was in, took the exchange that took place and the footage before she could come to her defense. But Behar wouldn't hear another word. Telling her co-presenter, let's just take her word for it in this case. Hostin replied, I can't do that. Well, it doesn't surprise me. These hens on The View are utterly ridiculous. I'm just shocked that Joy Behar said something in favor of Marjorie Taylor Greene. And I do completely agree with Joy. I think we can all agree with this, except perhaps Maxine Waters, who said that this was exactly what you should do with people you don't agree with politically. You should get out there and make their lives a living nightmare because you don't agree with them on politics, which I think is just insane. People used to respect each other. A spokesperson for Green told The Hill how the information interaction took place. Excuse me. They said the woman initially introduced herself politely and then began berating her as her son started screaming expletives at the top of his lungs and came closer. The spokesman said, I had to get between him and the table because I had no clue what he would do. They said the police were never called and the two individuals were asked to leave by restaurant staff. Gun control activist David Hogg also took to Twitter to share the 2018 harassing encounter he had when Green followed him down the street yelling out coward to him when he didn't share her views. Media I reported. I don't remember if that happened or not. Man, that sucks. I was attacked and screamed at in 2018 by an insane woman named Marjorie Taylor Green. Hogg wrote, she has no respect for the privacy of me as an 18-year-old school shooting survivor. Okay, in his non-defense... David Hogg uses the fact that he was present at a school shooting to try to gain brownie points everywhere he goes. He tried to use to use it to get into Harvard. I really don't like when people use the circumstances of their fame to try to gain pity. Um, he's also, he is clearly here trying to use his age as a defense against Marjorie Taylor Greene. That's a very interesting story. I'm glad that Joy Behar at least recognizes that this is not something that should be done. If this is something that Marjorie Taylor Greene did with David Hogg, then certainly she should hopefully learn her lesson. It is not nice to be yelled at out in the public. I don't think that's a nice thing to do unless David Hogg had said something completely inflammatory to her, to her in his own passing. Let's go back and read some of you guys' comments. Oh my gosh, I can't keep track of all this stuff. Andy is causing trouble in the chats. Oh yeah, just YouTube being buggy. Oh yeah, YouTube's not great. I'm going to use my limited time travel to make chat easier for lids. Thank you, JB, for the offer. Can't fix that, unfortunately. I don't think we love lids. Thank you, Weesper. I appreciate that. Somebody says wrong, but with no context. I don't know what you're talking about. 
Joy Bart says, I think John Bart, excuse me, I think more people than ever are able to go uh, to university slash college. More students have diluted the quality of students. Lots of these people should be doing trades. I completely agree. One of the biggest lies that millennials were told over the past like 25 to 30 years was that they had to go to college when they grew up. This is something that boomers said to us because it was something that their parents said to them. Because, um, let's see, I think the greatest generation is the parents of the boomers. They watched people succeed greatly who were so motivated that they ended up going to college and they concluded that it meant that going to college meant that you would be a successful person. Now, I don't know if that's the case at all. I think they might have that exactly backwards, but whatever the case, the fact of the matter is that it it's not in everyone's best interest for everyone to go to college, especially with like all the student loan stuff. We didn't even have a chance to talk about that, but they're talking about that in the um, Supreme Court today. And I don't think Biden's going to be able to get it through because I think the relatively conservative Supreme Court is probably going to shut it down. We'll see what happens there. Don't worry, everybody. I made it. Hey, Waverly, how's it going? Wake up, Waverly. Excuse me. Username 142 says, I'd be one dangerous mama if my child's teacher did that to them. Yeah, completely agree. Southeastern Kaiju says, whatever happened to the kids not listening to teachers? We need more of that, it seems. Well, nine-year-old's very young and kids that age are very impressionable. And if an authority figure says you should do this or you should not do this, they're probably going to go along with it because they're afraid of getting in trouble. John Burt says, makes me wonder if these ladies are on power trips, a need for control. Not sure which ladies you're talking about. Andy says he doesn't do collectivist thinking. That is, of course, correct. JB says, I remember all the identical goth kids in the 90s who were, quote, rebelling against groupthink. Yeah, I don't know if you guys remember that, but there was also a band called Rage Against the Machine that is now 100% Rage for the Machine, which is disturbing but not surprising to me. I was always very cynical of these bands. I remember even in high school, I was like, wait, aren't these bands that are supposedly punk really super in favor of government interference? Isn't that the opposite of being punk? But didn't make sense to anybody except me. Andy says, white ladies isn't one moral agent with responsibilities for its collective actions. I agree. Thankfully, white ladies aren't responsible for all of these ills, but I am saying that there is a certain demographic that is prone to this kind of thinking that we should certainly be watching out for. He says, MTG gets pretty spicy. Agreed. Fear Me It's Bree says, hi everyone. Hello, Bree. How's it going? Hopefully going well. The view is rough. I agree. They are not a very nice person. We do need a better version of the view. I would love to put that together. I have a group chat full of ladies who are moms slash soon hopeful hopeful moms and moms currently, and it's a lot of fun. It's all very uplifting. We all have widely different views. We have a libertarian. We have a lady from Scotland. We have a lady who's part Asian. So I really actually feel we have like very different backgrounds. We all have like common thoughts in common, or we have strong common thoughts, and we all really care about the ideas of family. And he says, your whiteness is so blinding, it's erasing black voices right now. Ooh, sorry to hear that. <laughs> Saranko says, gotta love people grifting off their dead classmates. Yes, uh, David Hogg is certainly no role, role model. Absolutely not. And he says, he's not white, he's OJ. Hmm. Bree says, it's probably the epitome. I'm probably a pity of white with half ginger blood and Irish complexion. Yes, I have a lot of red in my hair too. And I am largely Irish and Scottish and a mutt and all that good stuff. For a different view, call it, try the Catholic view for women, says Zach. Interesting idea. Keenan Smith, hello, hello, Keenan, Keenan and Bree, two of our regulars, both here now. 
but I have a lot of freckles. Is that's technically white? They're brown. Yes, my shoulders are so freckled they look like they're tanned. Absolutely not. <laughs> we need free college, says Zach. Zach, I completely disagree. I think that would just make the problem worse. I think we need to make the barrier to entry higher for college, not lower. Anita says, I identify as white with a hint of Bailey's Irish cream. Yeah, that sounds like me. JB says, rage for the machine and their number one hit shilling in the name. Yes, 100%. Rage, rage against the dying of the machine, says Andy, which is a spinoff of that poem, Rage Against the Dying of Light, which is actually very good. A very good poem, very short, that I would encourage everybody read. So, finally, it looks like something is happening with the case of Kayla Lemieux, who has the gigantic, um, how can I put this? I don't know how to phrase this in a family-friendly way. The gigantic marital aids that this teacher wears around his neck um, p- parents really think is disgusting. It's like a fetish prop and they are putting together a legal fund to try to sue the school district. So it's only been like a year and a half since this happened. No, I'm just kidding. It's only been like eight months. Maybe it's been a while. Canadian parents in the school district where a transgender teacher with giant Z cup breasts teaches have lost a legal fund to sue the school. I do not think that this teacher is transgender. I think that this teacher has autogynephilia, which is different. Um, It is a form of excitement aroused by the idea of being the opposite gender, specifically female. The Furious family set up the page to bring in more money so they can force Oakville Trafalgar High School to make Kayla Lemieux abide by the dress code. The GoFundMe page is the second one launched by parents this year. The last page raised nearly $10,000. Previously, a concerned parent described Lemieux as a man who dresses up as a woman who has size Z fetish fake boobs. The teacher's inappropriate attire and enormous prosthetics have created a significant distraction that has led to serious safety concerns for the students and staff at the school. The crowdfunding page reads, the school has had three bomb threats in September 2022. Wow. The page points out that there is a school class dress policy for students, but not for teachers. It was started by the Students First Ontario, a pressure group that seeks a dress code for high school teachers. Last year, pictures of Lemieux went viral thanks to her Z-cup size um, accoutrement, protruding um, appendages, and outrageous clothing choices. It's absolutely wild that this person is allowed to dress in this way and disgusting. Since the start of the 2022 fall term, students at Oakville Trafalgar High School have become part of an international media spectacle testing the limits of diversity, equity, inclusion, and identity and expression in a school environment, the Students First Ontario page reads. On Wednesday, the Halton School District Board will vote on a new dress code for teachers. However, parents are incensed at the lack of specifics in the ruling, excuse me, reports the National Post. Teacher's dress is covered by the board's professional policy, professionalism policy in the new code. The draft policy is yet again an example of the HDSB's inability to develop a policy that will address the issue at hand. These people are terrified to touch this. They think that it will show that they are being non-inclusive, non-diverse, and certainly not equitable by requiring everyone to wear professional clothing that doesn't victimize their poor underage students. Absolutely disgusting. Uh, dress code and professionalism of teachers to ensure that students attend classes in an environment that is safe and distraction-free, a spokesperson for Students First Ontario, Selena Close, said. 
Close accused the school board of not dealing with the issue. Where is the urgency and willingness to work with parents and put the students first, she added. Close has also said she expected parents to protest the board meeting, as they should. Absolutely revolting behavior on their behalf, on their part. Also this week, Ontario's Minister for Education, Stephen Leckie, said Halton parents are rightfully outraged at what's taking place, he told the Toronto Sun Star. Excuse me. Different heavenly body. Halton parents are rightfully outraged at what's taking place. The welfare of kids should prevail over our in our judgments in school boards and in the government. Bizarrely, last week, Lemieux said in an interview that her um, accoutrements are real and that she was born intersex and is not transgender. See, she's not trans. This person, pardon me for using the incorrect pronoun there. This person is not transgender, um, but I don't also don't think they're intersex. I think they just have autogynephilia. My condition is classified as gigantomastia, which can also be referred to as macromastia or breast hypertrophy. Lemieux said, although they noted that they have never received a formal medical diagnosis, is literally self-diagnosed. Even if as a male or let's give them the benefit of the doubt, even as an intersex person, if they had overdeveloped breast tissue, it still would look nothing like this. This is 100% an excuse and a disgusting one. Earlier this month, a person bearing a striking resemblance to Lemieux was seen out and about wearing men's clothing minus the prosthetics and wig. A neighbor identified the person as being Lemieux. They were later seen driving in and out of the apartment block and walking on the sidewalk. He wears prosthetics extremely infrequently, the neighbor said. He puts them on to teach occasionally when he goes out for a walk or when the cops visit. How weird. A law enforcement source also said that officers, both uniformed and plainclothes, do regular welfare checks at her apartment. The neighbor claims that usually Lemieux's outfit is completely unmissable, having started going out in public as a woman in May 2022. And let me be clear, this person does not actually think they are a woman. Like Dylan Mulvaney, this person is displaying signs of being a stereotype of what they imagine in their own fevered mind a woman is. I don't know that there's a single woman in the world, and I do mean in the world, of something like 4.5 billion people um, that are female that have this size chest. It's just absolutely untenable. It would break the human back. It's really, really not a natural thing. Lemieux was quick to respond to such allegations. I was driving past. You can see the uh, appendages from far away when you're driving. He says, I put the whole outfit on and just walked up and down Quelf line, no bags, just walking. Everyone slows down because you can't believe what they're seeing. Lemieux was quick to respond to such allegations. I can't tell you who that is because I don't want to bring anyone else into this. I don't want that person being thrown all over the media, but it wasn't me. So there's someone else who dresses like this teacher? BS. I don't believe this. I don't believe this person at all. This person is a menace and a threat to Canadian society. Not that the Canadians are going to be willing to do anything about it. I mean, look at the actions or lack thereof of the school board. This is nonsense. This is who I am. This is how I look. You've been talking to people in my building, but what they're telling you is harsh and untrue. I'm always going out looking the way I am. No, these are prosthetics that you put on because you have some strange delusion of appearing to be some weird, sick, twisted, stereotype fantasy of a female that's not actually anywhere near reality. Gross, disgusting, it's a mockery, should not be anywhere near children. I would still have 
um, these appendages. You can't hide them. People online make comments are basically body shaming, Lemieux explained. Okay, so this person knows how to play the game. They are going to pull out all the stops and see if they can get people in trouble on the basis of like body shaming, fat shaming, um, not being diverse enough, not being equitable to them. They're going to push it to the limit as far as they can. And honestly, I can't help thinking that Canada kind of deserves this because they certainly made this bet. I identify as a woman, female, she, her, Lemieux said when asked specifically about their sexuality. My whole life, I've been identifying as male. I've been looking like a male. When I decided to embrace this other side of me around age 39, this presented itself, she said. So it's not actually a physical problem. It's not actually this gigantomastica or whatever it is. Yeah. Okay. Get your story straight. Intersex people can have a mixture of those two different sets of chromosomes. It can be something they don't even know about. It can show up as other physical attributes at birth, so it can be more obvious or less obvious depending on the person. Lemieux says, let's see what percentage of people are intersex. What percent of people still can't spell? All right, this is why my tweets are so ridiculous. It's estimated that up to 1.7% of the population has an intersex trait. Approximately 0.5% of people have clinically identifiable sexual or reproductive variations. Very, very few people are intersex. And I hate, hate, hate the way the LGBTQ lobby is using them as like a Trojan horse to get all of these ridiculous ideas for it's not going to work. Not at all. Ugh, I don't feel like showing persons of, pictures of this person. In December, David Menzies, a host with a right-wing Canadian news outlet, Rebel Media, spoke about Lemieux being removed from a theater in, appear- in an appearance on Tucker Carlson's Fox News show. Menzies also discussed the incident in November episode of his show. At the time, he said of Lemieux's president- presence at the dance recital, this is so gross, this is so disturbing, this is so despicable. I mean, is he wrong? It is gross and disturbing, and this person certainly should be nowhere near students because this is clearly very sexual in nature. During the same episode, Menzies said that he brought a camera crew to Lemieux's condo. He said that he witnessed Lemieux removing uh, her appendages and wig while at home. Wow, that's kind of creepy, though. Don't be peeking in people's windows. Don't be gross. In October, Menzies attended a meeting at the Halton School District School Board, where Lemieux teaches at Oakville Trafalgar High School as the uh, as the character Mamory Menzies, equipped with extremely large prosthetic breasts himself. Menzies brought with him a petition calling for the school board to be terminated over Lemieux's continued employment. He was eventually removed from the meeting by a police officer. That doesn't surprise me. Students have shared videos of Lemieux in the school while she recovered while they recover from a foot injury showing them walking with crutches and sitting beside a student who appeared to be vaping. The district has now warned that students are not allowed to take pictures of anyone in school unless they get their permission and could face suspension if they do. Well, these pictures are already out there, um, and I don't think the school is going to get away with this. Along with complaints over the alleged suspension warnings, parents claimed Lemieux gets a personal escort and protection everywhere after the district received a series of bomb threats. I would be curious who actually called those bomb threats in. I don't think a right-wing person did this. In November, Lemieux was pictured skydiving with a male porn star named Voodoo, whose real name is Alexander Boisvert. Boisvert, I think. These Canadian names get me. 
Voodoo, said that he was only focused on jumping out of the plane and discussed his personal feelings about the transgender people while Lem- with Lemieux would be counterproductive to their safety. He also stressed that Lemieux did not know he was there, who he was either. Speaking exclusively to the Daily Mail at the time, Voodoo said, I had no idea it was taking the controversial transgender school teacher until they showed up to the drop zone. So this person is also a skydiver. Fascinating. I'm not a fan of trans activism or Kayla's behavior at school, but I'm a professional and I don't discriminate. He added, I'll throw anyone out of a plane. Plus, I regarded taking a big 230-pound person with huge prosthetic breasts on a skydiving a challenge. Most instructors would not even take them strictly on their size alone. This is a gross story, and I really hope that the parents are able to raise enough funds to go through with this. This is really, really disturbing, but it, again, doesn't surprise me that this is happening in Canada and that nothing's been done about it. Gross, gross, gross. Keenan says, Ms. Doubt, Mrs. Doubtfire vibes. I'm not sure about that. Mrs. Doubtfire was trying to save her children, her children, by dressing up as a lady. Stuart, thank you so much for your five-pound super chat great show. Thank you very much. I'm trying to speak clearly and it's very challenging for me for some reason this evening. Keenan says over 20 years ago, I had a coworker who was uh, as left as they get before you get political. As a joke, he called himself the great lesbian. He was just a stoner. How the tables have turned. Things are very different now. Fear me, it's Bree says, dude, it feels like an episode of The Office. It kind of does. Stevie says, I think he's trolling to make a point about protected classes. No, no, I don't think so. It's been months now. And this person is just saying they're intersex, um, saying that they are in fact a protected class. And I don't think they're a troll. People thought that for a little while. And I completely disagree because this person clearly seems to have some kind of fixation on doing this. And if you were trying to troll, it should be against your own conscience to expose kids to this kind of thing. I certainly don't think you should do it at a school somebody says you're looking good for, um, 85. Oh, Bree's 85 years old. Holy cow. Wow. That's a lot older than, older than I thought you were. JB says, I'd like to answer the door completely naked with a gun in my hand cuts down on unnecessary conversation. Well, that it certainly would. I don't blame you. It's even lower than that. Says Sir Renko. Most of the people who are intersex just have their urethral opening in a slightly lower part of their body. So not even a problem usually. Yeah. So it's a very, very small percentage of people. And these people are absolutely used by the LGBTQ plus movement to try and make sure that everyone gives them credence that they do not deserve. All right. Let's see here. Oh, this is the last thing I want to talk about tonight and then I'm going to wrap it. We got Greater Idaho is rearing its head again. The movement to absorb conservative rural counties from liberal Oregon gains momentum. Idaho legislature pushes a bill to open talks about moving border between western states. A campaign to have rural eastern Oregon effectively secede from the blue state and join more conservative Idaho is gaining steam as leaders from both states express support for relocating the border between them. It would be pretty simple. It sounds like you would just change the positioning of that one particular line. Idaho would have the satisfaction of freeing rural conservative communities from the progressive blue state law, wrote Simmons. We are dismayed by the manner in which Oregon government has marginalized our values and villainized our resource-based livelihoods. This is why our counties voted 75% Republican last year. Idaho voted 67% Republican. 
Simmons described how uh, Oregon stores are selling drugs near Idaho communities and hurting the quality of life in the area, explaining that moving the state lines would force drug shops away from the most of Idaho's population and help Eastern Oregonians. These counties would help maintain rural values in the Idaho legislature, values of faith, family, and self-reliance, he argued. All of Eastern Oregon voted against marijuana legalization and the decriminalization of hard drugs. Yeah, you can imagine the difficulty of somebody who lives close to a state that voted to decriminalize even hard drugs. That would be very, very difficult. If you're just trying to raise your family and you were concerned about fentanyl being sold like five miles from where you live, that's crazy. Simmons' op-ed came after Idaho's House of Representatives earlier this month passed a resolution not to move the Ohio-Idaho-Oregon border, but rather to call for formal talks between the state legislatures about relocating the boundary lines. It's unclear if the bill would pass the Idaho Senate, but the chamber is, like the state's house, dominated by Republicans. I'm very curious about this. Matt McCaw, a spokesperson for the Greater Idaho Group, has said he's confident the measure will pass, expressing optimism about the movement's goals amid skepticism from many people. When you have a new idea, there's always a lot of people who roll their eyes. They think it's silly, they dismiss it, he told KGW, an NBC affiliate in Oregon. When we started this two years ago, I would get a lot, get that a lot. Like, this will never happen. Why are you wasting your time? Others have expressed doubt, including some lawmakers who voted for the measure approving talks. The reality is, I don't believe that this will ever happen, said Idaho Republican Representative Lance Clow. Representative Colin Nash, a Democrat, jokingly asked for permission to amend the proposal to also add all of Montana to Idaho, quipping that doing so could be enough to allow Idaho to pick up a Democratic seat in Congress. Moving the Idaho-Oregon border would require the approval of both state legislatures as well as U.S. Congress. Despite the support of Idaho lawmakers, the idea may face greater resistance in the Democrat-controlled Oregon legislature. Oregon State Senator Dennis Linthicum, a Republican, has filed a similar proposal. Oh, their state senator is a Republican? That's really weird. To begin talks with Idaho, but the proposal is unlikely to make it out of committee. Still, proponents of Greater Idaho note that 11 counties in eastern Oregon have voted for ballot measures to explore the move and that, according to some polling, Idahoans would welcome expanding the state boundary. In Oregon, meanwhile, polling has shown that a roughly equal number of voters support and oppose the idea, with about one-fifth of the population undecided. Some critics have warned against self-segregating by ideology, saying the creation of a greater Idaho would fuel division and disgruntled residents can move if they're unhappy with how their state is governing. Others say Idaho legislators should be focusing on their own state rather than helping Oregon residents. Another concern is that sparsely populated areas have high rates of Medicaid enrollment and could be an added expense to the Idaho taxpayer. Interesting. So let's see if we can expand this picture. We cannot... So this is the greater Idaho phase. Wow, it'll cut Oregon by a pretty significant chunk, it looks like. So we have Eugene, Portland. Up here we have Washington. Then we have Montana. Yep, so there's Missoula, Montana. Interesting stuff. A recent analysis by the Claremont Institute found that the state line shift could benefit Idaho economically, providing an annual net benefit to Idaho's state government budget of $170 million. Many people are moving to Idaho to gain political refuge. Uh, from blue states, wrote Simmons, adding a large part of Oregon to Idaho would take some pressure off of Idaho's current housing market by giving new people more locations to choose from. 
It would reduce traffic congestion and reduce the loss of Idaho farmland to suburban housing. Well, this sounds like a really interesting idea. Now, I think it will die when it gets to the federal level, unfortunately. Um, I think that they should be able to do whatever they want with their own state because, frankly, I strongly believe in the Tenth Amendment. Literally anything that's not left to the state, to the, that's not specifically given to the federal government by the Constitution should be left to the individual states. And I believe that 100%. I think it's really gross how the federal government has grown as much as it has. It needs to be downsized. I completely agree with Marjorie Taylor Greene on this one for sure. But I don't think that this might be the way forward. I know they keep trying it, but we'll see what happens. Kind of interesting. Zach says, move away from big cities. Absolutely not. We just talked about this. I'm not a coward and you shouldn't be either. And it's not good to live in your own echo chamber. I was surrounded by people who said that, oh, you should eschew big cities and you should stay away from all this stuff. Why do you think we're in this situation in the first place? Because conservatives didn't think it would be worth their time to stand and fight. They thought they thought they could win by retreating, which just boggles my brain. How is that supposed to work? You don't win by retreating. You win by knowing what you believe and by standing your ground wherever you are. That's just the bottom line. Public service announcement says, Brie, we had an apple cheddar melt for dinner and I felt like I needed to share that with you all. They're delicious and you're welcome. Add crispy bacon to them. That's amazing. That sounds wonderful. What a good idea. I think Andy and I are going to have to try that. JB says, notice how greater Idaho looks like a middle finger. I understand why they would want it to look like that. But yeah. Proposed greater Idaho looks like a thumbs up, says Keenan. Does it look like a middle finger or does it look like a thumbs up? Either way, it's either positive or defiant. But that was a blast to put together, though. I agree. 100%. Greater Idaho looks kind of like a middle finger. Yeah, lots of people saying that. All right, you guys. Thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate it for sure. I've never had apple pie and cheddar cheese. I think that's something I'm definitely going to have to try. Too bad that Adrian wasn't able to join us tonight. Thank you, Stuart, for being the sole super chat. We don't go heavy on super chats over here. I don't mind it. I just like hanging out with you guys for sure. All right, you guys, tomorrow, same time, same place. Um, anything to add? I'm going to wrap a little bit early tomorrow because we have a dinner at 7.15 that we need to be at on time. So I will see you all next time. And until then, bye, guys. How's it going?